This is the Poetry Foundation's Essential American Poets podcast. Essential American Poets is an online audio poetry collection. The poets in the collection were selected in 2006 by Donald Hall when he was Poet Laureate. Recordings of the poets he selected are available online at poetryfoundation.org and poetryarchive.org. In this edition of the podcast, we'll hear poems by Robert Duncan. Robert Duncan was born in 1919. His mother died in childbirth, and his overwhelmed father put him up for adoption six months later. His adoptive parents were interested in the occult, and they were waiting for a child whose time, place, and conditions of birth had been foreseen by the astrologers. Duncan seemed destined to be shaped into the poet he would later become. Robert Duncan's poetry is full of mythological and occult references. His colleague Lawrence Lieberman described him as a poet of mysticism, visionary terror, and high romance. Duncan was interested in process. He said that writing is a journey whose purpose is not to reach conclusion, but to keep our exposure to what we do not know. Seeking comfort with the unfamiliar was a dominant theme in Duncan's life. He was an important figure of pre-Stonewall gay culture, the Beat Generation, and the avant-garde art scene of the 1960s. Though he lived most of his life in San Francisco, during the late 1950s, Duncan taught at his alma mater, Black Mountain College in North Carolina. The short-lived experimental college was an important incubator of the avant-garde. Buckminster Fuller, Merce Cunningham, and John Cage all taught there, as did the poets Charles Olson, Denise Levertov, and Robert Creeley. These poets, along with a group of others, became known as the Black Mountain Poets. Their open style allowed the poem to take shape based on the patterns of breath and thought instead of following traditional meters and line lengths. The Black Mountain Poets survived the dissolution of the college, continuing to publish the influential Black Mountain Review and to make connections with the poets of the San Francisco Renaissance and the Beat Generation in Greenwich Village. In the 1960s, Duncan established his reputation as a major poet. He published three poetry collections that are widely considered to be his best, and won many poetry prizes, including a Levinson Prize and a Guggenheim Fellowship. In 1985, he received the National Poetry Award. Robert Duncan spent 37 years with his longtime companion, the painter Jess Collins. He died in 1988. The poems you are about to hear were recorded at the Library of Congress in 1976. This is a poem that came, uh, didn't come, the order to write it, it must have come in a dream because I woke up with the first line, my mother would be a falconress, and I, her gay falcon, treading her wrist, and I knew that either I was going to have to strangle uh, something or other, or I'd have to get up, it was at two in the morning, and write this, start writing it, and I wrote it as fast as I could, it's one of the few poems that didn't get written in a notebook, it got written on stray pieces of paper, and uh, the next morning I came back somewhat relieved that I, didn't, that I hadn't written something Oedipal, like my mother would be a falconess, and I, her gay falcon, treading her wrist, that was... I worried. I woke up in the morning worrying about that. Should, had I gotten into that tangle? But uh, no, no. Okay. So here we go. My mother would be a falconress. My mother would be a falconress, and I, her gay falcon, treading her wrist, would fly to bring back from the blue of the sky to her, bleeding a prize, where I dream in my little hood with many bells jangling when I turn my head. My mother would be a falconress, and she sends me as far as her will goes. She lets me ride to the end of her curb, where I fall back in anguish. 
I dread that she will cast me away, for I fall, I mistake, I fail in her mission. She would bring down the little birds, and I would bring down the little birds. When will she let me bring down the little birds, pierced from their flight with their necks broken, their heads like flowers limp from the stem? I tread my mother's wrist and would draw blood. Behind the little hood, my eyes are hooded. I've gone back into my hooded silence, talking to myself and dropping off to sleep. For she has muffled my dreams in the hood she has made me, sewn round with bells, jangling when I move. She rides with her little falcon upon her wrist. She uses a barb that brings me to cower. She sends me abroad to try my wings, and I come back to her. I would bring down the little birds to her I may not tear into. I must bring back perfectly. I tear at her wrist with my beak to draw blood, and her eye holds me, anguish, terrifying. She draws a limit to my flight, never beyond my sight, she says. She trains me to fetch and to limit myself in fetching. She rewards me with meat for my dinner, but I must never eat what she sends me to bring her. Yet it would have been beautiful if she would have carried me always in the little hood with the bells ringing at her wrist and her riding to the great falcon hunt and me flying up to the curb of my heart from her heart to bring down the skylark from the blue to her feet, straining and then released for the flight. My mother would be a falconess, and I heard her falcon raised at her will from her wrist sent flying as if I were her own Pride, as if her pride knew no limits, as if her mind sought in me flight beyond the horizon. Ah, but high, high in the air I flew, and far, far beyond the curb of her will were the blue hills with the falcon's nest. And then I saw west to the dying sun. It seemed my human soul went down in flames. I tore at her wrist at the hold she had for me until the blood ran hot, and I heard her cry out far, far beyond the curb of her will. To horizons of stars beyond the ringing hills of the world where the falcon's nest I saw, and I tore at her wrist with my savage beak. I flew as if sight flew from the anguish in her eye beyond her sight, sent from my striking loose and the cruel strike at her wrist, striking out from the blood to be free of her. My mother would be a falconess, and even now, years after this, when the wounds I have left her had surely healed and the woman is dead, her fierce eyes closed, and if her heart were broken, it is stilled. I would be a falcon and go free. I tread her wrist and wear the hood, talking to myself and would draw blood. Childhood's Retreat It's in the perilous branches of the tree out of blue sky, the wind sings loudest surrounding me, and solitude, a wild solitude, is revealed. Fearfully high I'd climb into the shaking uncertainties of song, part out of longing, part daring myself, part to see that widening of the world, part to find my own, my secret hiding sense and place, where from afar all voices and scenes come back, the barking of a dog, autumnal burnings, far calls, close calls, the boy I was, 
calls out to me, here, the man where I am. Look, I've been where you most fear to be. This structure of rhyme is in memoriam Wallace Stevens. That God is coloring Newton doth show, William Blake. Erecting beyond the boundaries of all government his grand station and customs, I find what I have made there a gate, a staking out of his art in inconsequence. I have in mind a poetry that will frame the willingness of the heart and deliver it over to the arrest of time, a sentence as if there could stand some solidity most spatial in its intent against the drifts and appearances that arise and fall away in time from the crude events of physical space. The mind alone holds the consequence of the erection to be true so that desire and imagination usurp the place of the invisible throne. It is an angel, then, weeping and yet ever attending the betrayal of the word I mean to come to in the end. For my sake, the blood must be somewhere in time and in its own naming of place actual, and death must be as my own awaits me immediate to undo from its reality the physical body all there is of the matter of me that is mine for me. The would-be dialecticians, inquisitors of the new dispensation in poetry and historians of opprobrium, the realists and materialists come forward to hold the party line against his ideality. There are too many listeners. There are too many voices in the one line. They must enter the ideal to do so, for he has changed his mind as if the eternal existed only momentarily and went out with him. The chairman of the Politburo gets his number and moves to isolate his heresy. The number is no longer the same. He has gone back into the exchange of numbers. The phone continues ringing in the pattern of the message they strive to listen to report to the Bureau of Poetic Numbers and Approved Measures. This is to say to the month of April and the rainbow dancer, I am with you. I belong to the company without number. I shall live 100 years and then be gone. Here and now only I from this life can come forward to impersonate the necessity of his being here, his the horizon, his the perspectives and outlines, his the regulation of the relevant. I will willingly assume his numbers among my own. The rest is all Asia, the astral miasma, the undoing we came from, my version of who he is in reality, the domain of coloring invading the responsible. These are Dante Etudes, and uh, they're from a, uh, a book of Dante Etudes uh, uh, that was done for, for, a, for a series called uh, uh, A Curriculum of the Soul in honor of, uh, in honor of the poet Charles Olson. Uh, for those of us who are, uh, who are uh, in, in the genuine sense followers of Charles Olson, my own poetry uh, underwent a profound conversion in, uh, in, in, in what for me was 20, uh, 22 years of knowing the man and 20, 20 years of being uh, under his orders. I relieved enough when he departed this world and I was free to write any old thing I wanted to and didn't have to be true anymore. <laughs> These, however, return to the sense of responsibility, as I think my soul will from time to time. <laughs>
that he laid on us. In my youth, not unstained, and in much ignoble, in manhood, struggling to ring true, yet knowing often my defection from these graces Dante lists proper to man, temperance, courage, love, courtesy, and loyalty. I speak still to sustain his meaning in my own, and in you, whatever I have known of grace comes through to me. Now, upon old age, our life has a fixed course and a simple path I would not avoid, that of our right nature. Then Dante adds, himself quoting, and in every part of our life, place is given for certain things. A memory of the good of things, a knowledge of good things present, and foresight of things yet to come good. Ennobling song, truth's clarion, beauty rendered lasting in the mind, obedience to our common cause, stirred once again that music that to orders larger than mankind restoreth man. We will endeavor, the word aiding us from heaven, to be of service to the vernacular speech. From heaven, these drafts of the sweetest honey milk, Si dolcemente, from the language we first heard, endearments, whisperings, infant song and reverie, a world we wanted to go out into, to come to ourselves into, organizations and the sound of them verging upon meaning upon heaven. Hermetic talk into which my range of understandings was to grow for love of it, portents, and adults expounding controversial doctrines, personal science fictions, and rules of order, but our own is that which we acquire without any rule for love of it, imitating our nurses. From the beginning, color and light, my nurse, sounding waves and air, my nurse, animal presences, my nurse, night, my nurse. Out of hunger, instinctual craving, thirst for knowing, toward oracular tits. This, being primary, natural and common, being milk, is animal. Lungs sucking in the air, having heart in it, rhythmic and moving in measure, self-creative in concert. And therein, 
noble. That was Robert Duncan, recorded at the Library of Congress in 1976 and used by permission of New Directions Publishing Corporation. You have been listening to the Essential American Poets podcast, produced by the Poetry Foundation in collaboration with PoetryArchive.org. To learn more about Robert Duncan and other Essential American Poets, and to hear more poetry, go to PoetryFoundation.org.